Outside, the winter night had wrapped the city in water, fog, and wind. Buried under my blankets, I listened to the muffled, monotonous sound of rain falling on the roof of our house. I pictured the countless drops rolling down the sloping roof, hurtling to earth to turn to mist that would rise again in the high, white sky. Little did they know that a clever trap, a tin gutter, awaited them on the eaves. Just as they were about to make the leap from roof to ground, they suddenly found themselves caught in the narrow pipe with thousands of companions, asking, Where are we going? Where are they taking us? Then, before they could recover from that mad race, they plummeted into a deep prison, the great cistern of our house. Here ended the raindrop's life of joy and freedom. In the dark, soundless tank, they would recall with dreary sorrow the great spaces of sky they would never see again, the cities they'd seen from on high, and the lightning-ripped horizons. The only slice of the heavens they would see henceforth would be no bigger than the palm of my hand. On the occasions when I used a pocket mirror to send a fleeting memory of the endless sky to flicker on the surface of our reservoir. The raindrops spent tedious days and months below, until my mother, bucket in hand, would draw them out, disoriented and dazed from the darkness, to wash our clothes, the stairs, the floor. But for a moment they knew nothing of their fate. They ran happily and noisily across the slates, and I felt sorry for them as I listened to their wild chattering. When it rained three or four days in a row, my father would push the gutter pipe aside to keep the cistern from overflowing. It was a very large cistern, extending under most of our house, and if it ever overflowed, it could flood the cellar and wreck the foundation. As our city was all askew, anything could happen then. As I lay wondering whether people or water suffered more in captivity, I heard footsteps, and then the voice of my grandmother in the next room. Hurry, get up, you forgot to shift the downpipe. My father and mother leapt from their bed in alarm. Papa, in his long white drawers, ran down the dark hallway, opened the little window, and pushed the pipe aside with a long stick. Now we could hear the water splattering into the yard. Mama lit the kerosene lamp and led Papa and Grandmother downstairs. I went to the window and tried to see out. The wind was furious, dashing the rain against the window panes, making the eaves groan. I was too curious to stay in bed, and I ran downstairs to see what was happening. All three grown-ups looked worried. They did not even notice I was there. They had taken the cover off the cistern and were trying to see how high the water had risen. Mama was holding the lamp while Papa leaned over the side and peered in. I shivered all over and caught hold of Grandmother's dress. She put her hand on my head affectionately. The wind shook the doors inside and out. What a downpour, Grandmother said. Papa, bent over, was still trying to see inside the cistern. Get a newspaper, he told my mother. She did. He crumpled it up, lit it, and dropped it into the cistern. The water's almost up to the rim, Papa said. Grandmother started murmuring prayers. Quick, my father cried, 
the lantern. Mama, pale as wax, her hands trembling, lit the lamp. Papa threw a black raincoat over his head, took the lamp, and headed for the door. Mama tossed an old dress over her head and went after him. Where do they go, Grandmother? I asked, frightened. Don't be scared, she replied. Neighbors will come to help with bailing out, and then the cistern will calm down. Her voice became rhythmical, as if she was whispering an old tale. In this world, each ill has its cure. Only death, my dear boy, has no remedy. Muffled knocks at a door sounded through the rumbling of rain. Then again, and again.